What is going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome on into today's edition of Citywide Special. It is Tuesday, August 22nd, and we are live, ladies and gentlemen. I want to welcome everyone on in, whether you're checking on in from Facebook, YouTube, Twitter. We're live on DSM Media, of course, and it is Tuesday, August 22nd. We have a lot of Eagles, a lot of Phillies, and a lot of Sixers to discuss here today. Of course, the comment section is open here on YouTube today. And of course, today we do have a special guest to help us talk about all things here with our Philadelphia sports. So, ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, please welcome today's guest of DSM Media as well, Mr. Dylan Davis. Dylan, what's up, brother? What's going on, what's man? What's up, man? You got a guest for sure. I don't know how special, but you got a guest today. Don't worry about it. <laughs> My man, listen, first of all, my man looks like he just came from South Beach. He's got the tan going on, dude. Looking fresh, yeah, man. Dude. I like it. Yeah, can't take the hat off because there's a little, there's a, wore the hat too long on the beach and there's a nice little pale strip going right across the top of the head. So uh, the hat stays on for the foreseeable future. That's me with the sunglasses, man. Yeah. I can't keep them off in the summer, man. I feel that completely. Yeah. Where were you at, man? Where, where, what beach were you at? Ocean City. Just nice, uh, Ocean City, New Jersey. Yeah, not too and bad. Pilots? What's up? Any highlights from from the weekend or from the week? A bunch, but none that I'm not, not too sure we can speak about on here. But uh, may, maybe maybe off camera. <laughs> awesome stuff, man. Awesome. I have to check out Ocean City. It's been a while since I've been personally to Ocean City, man. But it's good to have you back, Dylan. I'm sure you have a lot to talk about as well, man. But as we always do here, ladies and gentlemen, it is citywide special. So uh, today, ladies and gentlemen, the citywide special. We're back with our tequila. We have our tequila añejo. From Kirkland, thank you to our, our wonderful friends over at Costco for providing us with our shot of the day. And I have here a little stateside, a little seltzer, a little very box nice, a little orange, John. So that's what we have. What do you got there, Dylan? We have a sensation hazy IPA from uh, Warwick Brewery. Hey, there we go. Where's Warwick located? Bucks County, nice. um, not okay. too far from like Rich Barrow. Okay. We were just a double nickel this past weekend, man. Very so nice. My, my, my side of things, my side of town. Yeah, dude. It's it's a good one. It's a fun, it's a chill one. It's a chill one. They're uh they're actually becoming a brew pub. So they're actually they're turning in they're gonna have a full kitchen now that they could sell where they can sell food and all. Dude, that is pretty sick, yeah. man. That's pretty sick. Hopefully one of these breweries will will be endorsing one of one of these shows here, man. Yeah. But as we always do in my of course, my my big boobed Puerto Rican, uh, very nice. <laughs> Salute to everyone. Awesome stuff, man. All right. Well, let's get into it today, Dylan. Um, as we always do guys. And of course you guys are more than welcome to participate in today's, uh, poll of the day. Let me pull it up here real quick. So here, here we go. So today's poll of the day, obviously we're going to talk about the Sixers to start off today, but who's winning the standoff? Is it James? Is it Daryl? Or at the end of the day, will the fans just lose regardless? And of course, the consensus is that the fans will lose here today with 92.9% leading the way. Daryl is second with 7.1. No one's got any votes for James, but you guys can participate in the poll. Follow me at Parasoto Philly. But of course, we all got the news today. Uh, Woj brought the report. Of course, Daryl Morey, uh, Daryl, sorry, not Daryl Morey, James Harden gets fined the 100K, 100,000. Uh, so in your, in your opinion here, man, where, like, where are we heading with the situation here, <laughs> Dylan? 
where are we heading? Well, the poll's correct because 110% the fans are going to lose out in the, at the end of this situation. Um, where we're headed is probably very close to training camp time, if not getting into training camp. Will he show up? Will he not? Obviously, with the new with the new bylaws and the CBA and everything like right. that, um, he can be fine. The Sixers can withhold his pay. He really he really doesn't have a leg to stand on. James Harden has to show up and can't be a nuisance at practice in camp. However, he's still going to find a way to disrupt things. Um, so where we're headed is probably getting rid of James Harden for for pennies and nickels on the dollar at this point, which is why the fans lose because. It's it's just you're not you're not reaching that you're not getting closer to that goal of getting past the second round. Moving on from James Harden for whatever package Daryl Morey is going to have to muster up is is not gonna is not gonna get the job done, man. So we're headed towards what I would what I view as a pretty depressing start to a Sixer season. Yeah, man. Real quick, I want to say hello to Scotty. Our boy Scotty's in the chat. We got our boy Kata Kata Media checking on. He's got himself a Surfside Lemonade today. Okay. Dylan Davis, the MVP. We agree here on this side for sure, yeah, man. Yeah. Um, so I, I guess I want to ask here because a lot of the consensus as well, and this might be from the Harden Knights, as I like to call them. Sure. But does James have a point at all in this situation? Like, is he right in any of this? No. No, I, I spoke on this with Scotty, and that's not to say that Daryl Morey isn't wrong in any of this. Um, I'm not sure. None of us are sure what what went down 12, 13, 14 months ago during those uh, contract negotiations negotiations when James Harden took a pay cut to help, you know, fix this roster a little bit, but ultimately brought his friends here and PJ Tucker and Montrez Harrell and Daniel House. Um, and we all applauded that. We all applauded the teammate that James Harden was at that time. But I, I spoke about this with Scotty yesterday. Even if there was a handshake deal in place uh-huh. when he signed that two-year deal last offseason. Mm-hmm. You have to hold up to your side of things on the floor, James, mm-hmm. and you simply didn't do that. Parcero, if he was anything like regular season James Harden in the postseason, mm-hmm. he would be a sixer for four more years. Daryl Morey would have had no issue giving James Harden a max deal if he was 20-9, and 20-8 James Harden, efficient from the floor. Even if they were still a second-round exit, he would most likely be back. Yeah. The problem is you saw what the floor looks like at, J- at James Harden's um, play at this point of his career. He has an injury history recently. Yeah. He, he, ha- he has a low... You can't go from 40-10 and, and 10 to... Nine and eight on two of eleven shooting in a playoff series. The 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 distance can't be the the gap can't be that huge. So you have to hold up your side of the bargain if you're James Harden, and he simply didn't do that. So why would Daryl Morey in his right mind turn around and say it doesn't matter how poorly you played? It doesn't matter if you gave up on your team in Game Seven. I'm still going to hand you this $4 million max. It doesn't matter if James Harden leaked all those rumors about the Houston Rockets all season long. He has no leg to stand on. And the bottom line, he opted in. (laughs) Well, listen, so here's the thing with James. And we talked about this on the show before. James Harden right now, the way I look at it, it, he's just being a spoiled brat. The man doesn't want to own up to what the mishaps were of the Sixers. Correct. Reason why he wants to leave is because he wants to get paid. He wants to play ball. He wants a chance to win. But 
if you they the team loses, he does not want all that weight on his shoulders. The Sixers lost the second round. Who gets majority of the blame? Joel and James, and rightfully so. Those are your star players. That's who you look at to get you out of the second round. I truly believe that Daryl did keep his word, and he did try to trade James Harden once he opted into the deal this year. For sure. But my, but my guy, like, you just saw right now the market for you when you, 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 James, created all those narratives. Come Christmas time, you're going to go Correct. to Houston in the offseason. Well, guess what Houston said? James, we love you. You'll always be a rocket legend. Yeah, we we're going to pivot. Worth that money right now. And that's where James is at right now. He's trying to create this narrative, and it's so funny, and he forgets that Philadelphia is smarter than what we may appear to be. We know why you're pissed off. We know why you're forcing out. You don't want to hear it. You don't want the pressure. And so, yeah, fans, at the end of the day, we're going to lose out in the situation because even if James does come back, I just don't see this roster doing anything to get out of the second round. Like, I think, if anything, we took a step back. But I guess the sure. best question now to ask, Dylan, if it is true what James is saying, that it, it, the main problem right now is Daryl. It's not the organization, it's just Daryl. If you're the Sixers, do you just part ways with De with Daryl in order to just get something out of this season with James? No, be, because at the end of the day, if you are owner, if you are Elton Brand, if you are Sixers ownership, if you if you're Tyrese Maxey, Joel Embiid, regardless of what his issues are with Daryl Morey at this point off the floor, Daryl Morey is still the president of basketball operations for your franchise. So by him taking a direct shot at your basketball you know, president of ops, that's a shot at your franchise as well. So, no, I don't think there's any healing of this relationship. And not to mention, if you get rid of Daryl Morey to appease James Harden, just like we got rid of Doc Rivers to somewhat appease James Harden at the end of the season, although a lot more goes into the Doc thing, but you're almost validating James Harden's point at that point. And I don't, and like I said at the beginning of the show, I don't think there's anything there to say that James Harden is correct in the situation. So if you part ways with Daryl Morey, it has to be aside from what's going on with James Harden. I told Scotty yesterday, I would give Daryl Morey one more year. Whatever happens with this James Harden situation, whatever he whatever he can muster back for him, whatever roster he can put on the floor this year, he gets one more year. If the Sixers are another first or second round exit, and Daryl Morey has not done anything creatively enough with this roster. Then you part ways with both of them, and then you try to really restart this thing. But then, you know, well, that, that's a whole nother topic because now you're another year into Joel Embiid's career, and you got a whole lot, lot of uh, other issues. But I did love your point real quick about the fact that he yeah. doesn't want to take any of the blame, any of the criticism. Mm -hmm. He doesn't want to be held accountable, and I truly believe that's why he opted in. Here's my thing. James Harden opted in because he saw what the market was. Philly wasn't giving him that max. Houston pivoted. LA can be as interested as they want to, to want to appear in, in trade talks. At their they weren't giving him that max. No one was giving him that max. So here's what James Harden did. He opted in. He's going to hold the team hostage. And now it's their fault for not getting me to where I want to be. Not my fault for not getting the deal from another team in free agency. Dude, what a piece of crap, man. He's he's <laughs> unreal. And the thing is, is like, you know what hurts, Dylan, is that like, you know, you you and I were part of DSM Media during the trade in, in 21, the tra the deadline trade when he was in yeah. Brooklyn. 
Yeah. We defended James. I, I know myself, like I defended oh, James. I had 100%. Nets fans all in my comment section. And look, we're getting a taste of this medicine. And yep. the thing is, is that like the Houston situation, you can understand why he'd want to trade out. The Brooklyn situation, you can understand why he'd want to get trade out. The Sixer situation, you see why he wants to get traded out, but there's just no justifying him acting like this at whatsoever, no. man. And this no, is what's so frustrating about the situation. Not at all, because if you go to the Brooklyn situation, I agree with you. The Houston thing, you can handle things differently. You don't gotta, you don't gotta go to the clubs when the team's on a plane going back home. You you don't gotta put on your fat suit and appear out of shape just to get your way. But the Brooklyn and Philly things are interesting because both to him seem toxic, right? He's calling out Daryl Morey for their relationship. Well, if Kyrie Irving and that whole situation in Brooklyn was as toxic as it seemed, and it's part of the reason you wanted out of there and you were holding out and not playing, why didn't you grab a microphone then? Why were you using the other antics to get you out of there? But now you can't get your way out of Philly, so I'm going to grab this thing right here, and I'm going to call Daryl Morey a liar. Not even, and, not even here. You, you, you went to China to do it. Like you're such a fraud. Like you're so. Oh my god, dude! He couldn't even do it in the U.S. somewhere. Like you know what I mean? Like. And then oh. he calls, and then he comes back, and then he calls his local Houston na- news station to come to wherever he's working out or training or whatever. Like, and he wants to tell him, like, hey, the relationship with the Sixers, there's no repair. It's too far gone. It's like, yeah, it just keeps apparently, adding- apparently. Apparently, he'd like to play in China at some point because these fans go absolutely berserk for him. Go play for Shanghai, dude. Go play for the Shanghai Sharks and win a chip if that's now. what you want to do. Just do it now, man. Jesus. Interesting, Kyle. Daryl's get. Uh, wait, no, that's one. Strip clubs in Philly must be atrocious <laughs> because James wants to leave that. But I mean, listen, the strip clubs in Philadelphia, they do not compare to some around the country. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Daryl's getting experience for Sarah. What's up? Personal experience. Personal experience, man. Personal experience, man. <laughs> we do not have good strip clubs around, that's for sure. Uh, Daryl's getting canned at the end of the year anyway, but getting rid of him does not does agreed. I'll be honest with you. If he gets canned this year before the season starts, I won't be phased because my expectations for this team is not very high. Like I could see this team getting in the first round, getting in the second round again, but I just don't see any way this team gets out of the second round. And yes, the James Hart situation hindered our roster building for this year. But Dylan, we did lose a good amount of talent from that team that did make it to the second round again. Oh, they're not a good enough team by, by any stretch. And and what Daryl has done so far this all season, see, that was the thing that, that kind of is getting so, I don't, it's kind of getting overshadowed right now with all this drama and now blaming Harden was he made these minuscule moves, right? He made these marginal moves in Patrick Beverly and he brings back Paul Reed and you go out and you get Mo Bamba, right? And he's doing these little things where, okay, if you could add some real pieces, now those depth pieces off the bench become much more attractive in a Patrick Beverly and Mo Bamba. The issue is, well, a lot of us had this thought in our heads that we were going to trade Tobias Harris for a couple pieces. Well, apparently that's not happening. And then we thought, well, we're going to trade James Harden for a star or, or whatever. Well, evidently, we can't even get Terrence Mann for James Harden. So now you're, you're running into a season with the same team you had last year plus Pat Bev and Mo Bamba, or you're losing James Harden for almost nothing and you, ha- and you added Pat Bev and Mo Bamba. 
So I agree with you, dude. Like, I don't see right now until Daryl Morey proves me otherwise. I don't see a light at the end of the tunnel for this upcoming season. I don't see a chance in hell where they're a top four or five team in the East. Like they might finish fourth or fifth seeding wise. That does not mean I take them as seriously as that type of seed when it comes to winning a title. Um, I'm, I'm out on them right now. Well, you know, in these types of situations, you know, a fan base can only look at an owner. Well, ladies and gentlemen, this is freaking owner right here. Huh. <laughs> is it, but we still like to win. Yeah. I mean, you're no, no stranger. Injuries, but... You're no stranger to uh, <laughs> sports teams. <laughs> Managing general partner of the look at Troy. Joe, look at Troy. Yeah, you know, Wait, just look at Troy's face real quick. Yeah. Yeah. No You're no stranger to right here. Uh, professional sports. Yes. <laughs> Dylan, oh, that, that's our that's our that's our owner, man. That's he doesn't know what to do with his hands. <laughs> doesn't know. How about you put him back into the Sixers, man? I don't know, Josh. Yeah, I don't know. Well, yeah, or Kata's right. Or he's just drunk. I, I have no idea, dude. <laughs> dude he was Do you remember having... on Monday Night Football years ago when Eminem was in the booth and he no. was – You don't remember this? No. Look, he was high as a kite in this oh, Monday Night Football booth, like all perked out or something, dude. It was like um, Joe Namath on Monday Night Football. Mm-hmm. If you remember that one, that dude, that's that's freaking crazy. What do you? So what? What is your thoughts, man, on um, on our guy, the, the Harris Group, buying another professional franchise? I mean, face value, it comes across as disappointing and bad because you see all the problems we're having internally, and it's just like. Well, his focus is elsewhere, clearly. You know what I mean? So it does make you wary from that point of view. Um, But, yeah, I mean, I I, I think ownership is a big issue with the Sixers right now, and that's why you see internally everything else that is going on. It's just kind of a trickle-down effect. Um, But he just seems like a clown anyway. Like, he's just, I don't know. Just like one of those, like, guys that just ran into a bunch of money, doesn't know what to do with it, and so... It's like, well, let me buy NBA, NFL, MLS, NHL, Premier right. League. This man's got this man's got all the toys that he could possibly want. It, it it's you know it's right, funny. Yet he doesn't own one successful franchise. Not one. None. None. They're all like mediocre at best. Yeah. And it, and like just look at like the the situations this team has had since he he's taken over, right? So obviously, like the process years, that was really controversial, right? And then you go into the Colangelo, the the collar, the the burner, burner gate. Where do we go? We go to all the draft picks, right? Mm-hmm. You go to, yeah. You give like, dude, one of the worst, like one of the most underrated situations for this team was giving the reins of general manager after the Colangelo things to Brett Brown. Oh he yeah, goes yeah. and drafts Zaire Smith over Michael Bridges. Dude. Yeah, got an allergy. Ben Simmons, now James Hart. Oh, the tampering last year? Like, dude, good ownerships. It's the, like, Jeffrey Lurie doesn't have this crap happening. No, if it happens, it, great franchises, if something like this happens, they learn from it. And things like this will never continue to occur. But when the same thing continues to happen 
over and over and over again. And you find yourself in controversy after controversy after controversy. That it's time to look in the mirror, bro. <laughs> like it starts at the top at this point. It's not just it's not just a coincidence that that every general manager or every coach or every uh, highly touted every first round draft pick you bring in finds themselves in some sort of shit here in the city. Jimmy Butler said it best, man, when he called us out in that JJ Reddick podcast, man. We were we were a joke of, a, of an organization. There's a reason why he wanted to leave, man. They're gonna they're gonna make a fifteen part Netflix stock on the atrocity of the Sixers over the last fifteen years, man. They could. I would like that. I would like they a could. documentary, a looking into what exactly went down over these past yeah. ten so years. Dude, let, let me ask you something: the, the the Flyers, although they're in a very bad state right now, and they're, and they're going through this entire um entire rebuild process right now with Danny and Jonesy. And obviously as a fan, you start to see the light at the end of the tunnel with shedding the bad contracts and the Mitch cop pick and everything like that. But is it the Sixers get away with so much more, the Sixers get away with just being a mediocre franchise so much more than, than the team lower than them on the food chain here in the city. Like mm. the, the Sixers have a larger fan base. I would say maybe not a more passionate because we know how the strict flyers fans are that group. Right. But the Flyers get held accountable yeah. over the last decade or two so much more than the Sixers do. Like, in the moment, we rip the Sixers apart. But then it's like once the next season starts, we wipe our hands clean and, and just say, and just put these blinders on again like things are going to be different. How did we get here where, where they have less of a responsibility to fix mm -hmm. problems than the Flyers do? And, and I think they're starting to now get that count. But I think what it is, Dylan, is that, you know, Philadelphia is not a dumb sports market, right? We understand how the NBA works. You need those star players. And we've had those star players. The problem is those star players haven't been able to get over the hump. I think like having Joel, having James here, having been here for a little bit, I think like that is what gave Sixers fans that hope like, okay, well, maybe next year we get a little bit deeper. You add this piece, add that piece, add that coach, that this coach. Oh, I agree, but I think that's what happened over these past couple. I years. agree, and I'm part of the problem. To Scotty's last comment, me and him do pregame every like the last two years, and we're going to continue to do it again this year. But that's the problem I'm talking about: putting those blinders on and believing that this time it's going to be different, dude. No one believed that this team was more was different than past years, more so than me and Scotty this yeah. year, and we got knocked right back down in reality real hard and real quickly. And it's like I'm not doing that again. Yeah, I want to try not to do that again. I talk a big game on August twenty second, but and dude, they, they did look deeper last year than they did. They did. Well, let's be honest with you, they were five minutes away from getting over that hump, and then another the MVP didn't touch the ball. And another game seven, they didn't show up, man. And that's that is the story, of that. Sixers, man, man. That's the story of it. The Sixers Scotty. can't even get the arena right, man. Yeah. Dylan, Scotty, that last comment, man. I know. I don't want to talk about it right now. Who's the common want... denominator here? Right well, there, right there. I don't want to do it. Well, Hans and Bean, man, and he's his, his. So that discussion is going to start coming after all after this shenanigans. That's going to be the next topic. Well, he's got shenanigans of his own going on right now, and he's he, Joel Embiid was undoubtedly my favorite athlete in the city of Philadelphia over the last five plus years. He has trickled on down 
easily to number three with what's with what is happening right now, dude. The dude just won the MVP. Man. Yeah, yeah. I I can't take the immaturity and what feels like lack of accountability with him as well, man. I can't take it anymore. Whether he's I talk about this all the time. Whether he is trolling, grow up. Or if you're not trolling, stand behind what you said in in the first place. That that's my beef with him, right, man? On social, yeah, James Harden makes these comments. He deletes his he deletes processing from his bio. He deletes the location of Philadelphia from his bio. Is he trolling? Is he being serious? Maybe should have scored more than 17 points in Game Seven. Maybe should have touched the ball. Like I'm just I, I can't take it much more, man. I I get you, man, and, and that's that's why we say on the show we have Sixers fatigue. Uh, this is an interesting one here. Real quick, in the city or out the city? Or I'm sorry, in or, downtown or out downtown, I should say. I mean, I, I like the complex. I, I love the sports complex down there. Obviously, wish they had their own building, but that's how a lot of the hockey and basketball arenas work anyway. Um, when you see the pictures of the original like plan for how the building's going to look, if it turned out anything like that, it looks awesome it looks beautiful it looks majestic right in the middle of the city um but i hate it like i'm not a public transportation guy um i'm not a let me hop on let me not let me hop on septa or the train and get down to the game i'm I'm not that guy i like driving down i like to forget tailgating like that that's gone down there so um yeah i mean it's inevitably happening but what's up how often do we tailgate sixers I mean, I do when I go. I, I mean, maybe it's just me. <laughs> I, I feel you, man. I, I, I just see it being a nightmare, honestly. Yeah. Like, like my fiance, she worked well not anymore. She's now full time remote, but she was working right across the street from City Hall, dude. Four o'clock, five o'clock. Get the hell out of Center City, mm-hmm. and imagine having a, an NBA franchise down there on game day. Yeah. Forget about it, man. So, does it, it help is, crime? Does it worsen crime? I don't know. That's uh, that remains to be seen. That remains to be I, my concern, Dylan. Like you know, I'm all about culture, and I love Chinatown, and I just don't want them to get messed with. I we yeah. need that in our city. So that's. Yeah. My, my I'm pretty concern. sure they if are. You I'm can, pretty sure they're getting the boot. That, yeah, yeah. If they if they mess with that, I'm out. I'm out yeah. on on that, man. We can, we can't mess with Chinatown, brother. Um. All right. So as we shift gears here, we got Dylan. Dylan is one of the best at talking baseball in the city. I want to switch to the diamond here, man. So it's been a weird week, right? It's been like very a la last year, right? Like September, like, yes, dude, it's not fun. It's not fun. But yesterday was a lot of fun. Dylan. Lots you, of fun last night. First off, anytime you beat Kapler, that brings a big smile to Phillies fans' faces. Oh, yeah. It's an important series. Giants right behind in the wild card race. <laughs> Bryce Harper gets the little league home run. Yeah. You spank him 10 4. Noah looks solid, man. Schwarber hits one to the moon. What'd you say? I missed that. We were looking good yesterday. What'd you think about yesterday's game? Yeah, no, the, yesterday was huge. And I agree with you, man. It, it's been a weird week because this team was playing so solid, literally up until I was going away for the week last week. And then they lose the series at home to the Twins. They get their ass kicked by the Blue Jays, but then they kind of kick the Blue Jays' ass and split with them. Then you lose the series in Williamsport to the Nationals. Um, but this this is a huge series, and this is a difference-making series right now for me because it would tell me one thing. 
if the Phillies are able to win the series or help, knock on wood, be able to sweep the San Francisco Giants over the next two games, it would tell me that they're aware of the moment and they're aware of what's going on. And Alec Bohm alluded to that on the post-game show last night, talking to McCarthy and Kruk, basically saying, look, we're not dumb. Um, we know the standings. We know what's going on in the wild card right now. So for them to take that and kind of turn it up a notch, to me, that translates to postseason baseball. Everyone gets so caught up. And, and I know it's tough, man. It sucks to lose a series to the Washington Nationals. It sucks to lose a series at home, right, to the Twins. But you can't get caught up in the marathon. But when you can pick out important and key moments like this, like this giant series and like the next, you know, eight games after this on the nine game homestand, this is the important stretch because it would tell me that they know that they know what's going on and they were able to take control of the situation and step up their game, which that's what playoff baseball is. It's, it's knowing it's winner go home and how important the stakes are. And they were able to show up last year. So it hasn't been fun the last week, but it'll it'll get a lot better if they can uh, continue to turn it up tonight. It's a, it is interesting because like last night did feel like the intensity of like a playoff yeah. game, and I I saw that from those guys, and that was the bright part about it. And like like you like you mentioned with the post game show, like you got to treat it like so because sure. yes, you the thing is people we always allude to it. Right now, the wild card race is tighter than many people may anticipate. One bad week, you could put yourself in a bad spot there. So it is important to keep ground. And I'm with you. I don't re- overreact over a loss. Like, yeah, it did suck losing to Nashville because, dude, we were taking care of them ever since 2020. Man, that was fun. Yeah. That was fun beating up on them. But you, you you take the wins when you can. I would like to see some more series wins for sure. Um, one thing, though, and I want to get your, your opinions on, the batting lineup, right? Brandon Marsh comes back over the weekend. Mm-hmm. That is huge. A lot of talk over the city, you know, Topper moving, move guys down. Obviously, a lot uh-huh. of people have a problem with Schwarber leading off, man. You're like, what are you, what is your take? What is your thought on just the batting lineup in general on a night to night basis? I am not the guy to, uh, to argue with about Schwarber leading off because he's my leadoff hitter. Um, you can argue with me till I'm blue in the face. You're not going to get through to me. Kyle Schwarber is this team's leadoff hitter. The bottom line is when Kyle Schwarber is batting one, the Phillies win ball games. <laughs> Last year, year one, went to the World Series. This year, when he once he got put back in the, I forget what the numbers are, it's a crazy win percentage when he's leading off. So Kyle Schwarber is my leadoff hitter. Bottom line, sees more pitches, gets more at-bats, gets more swings, more home runs. No, he would not be hitting 33 home runs if he was hitting fifth or sixth. Get that through your thick skulls, please. So Kyle Schwarber batting one. The issue at hand right now is Turner and Bohm. Topper just switched those two back in the lineup. It's hard to argue with last night when Trey has a two-hit night, boom, homers, um, flashing the glove in the field. I get all that. But for the time being, I probably would have left that alone. I get the whole point of moving Trey down lower in the lineup was to get his head right and was to get him back on track. You accomplish that, thank God. So when you see Trey Turner heating up, you automatically assume bump him back up in the lineup. Issue is Alec Bohm was shining in the two-hole. I wouldn't have messed with it yet, but it, it worked out last night pretty good. Um, outside of that, I know it's never going to happen, but I would hope down the stretch, my nine would be consistent. Topper doesn't like to do it, but I think great baseball teams and and, and winning baseball teams have almost a consistent lineup night in and night out. And my nine would be Bryce Harper at first, Schwarber DHing, Bohm at third, Rojas in center. I think the kid's a ball player and he should be in the lineup every night and Marsh out in left field because they both need to be on the diamond at the same time. 
obviously Costi and Wright, JT, Turner, Stott, all that stuff. But okay. yeah, I- real, real quick on that on that point because I, I was going to ask you that as well. So Pache has been gearing up to come back. Yeah, so you're going he- Rojas over Pache? Yeah, sorry, Kata. Yes, yeah, yes, I am. <laughs> yes. Uh, uh, no, nah, it's listen, Rojas. I like the upside with him, and I, I, I think you can't go wrong with either one of those guys. My thing with Dylan is like, if there is a struggle, I agree with you. Like playoff time and long term, Schwarber is my leadoff guy. But there are times like when there's like that lull with that, you know, that the bats aren't consistent. I agree. You, you're looking for something to, to change up. Give me something. Give me a pop. Change it up a little I bit. I feel that. I and feel that. But isn't that kind of isn't that kind of Girardi ish at that point when things weren't working last year, you saw 900 different lineups, and that was part of the issue. That see, like with Girardi, though, it was musical chairs night in, night out. My thing is, like, if you have a couple games in a row where this lineup is not produced, like last week was a perfect example where the bats were not well, I'm sorry, the week prior to that, right? When Schwarber's O for his last 19, I, I, I feel you. That's when I say, like, all right. Let me just put Trey here or Stott here just for this game. Schwarber comes back in the next game. At, that's kind of what I meant. But, like, yeah. he just – I mean, he sticks to a gun, and I, and I can't blame him too much for that because that's the type of guy Topper is. He's going to have those players' backs at the yeah. end of the day, and that's what you want in your manager. And so that's why I can't really blame him, but that's just my only gripe. Just if yeah, it's no, I mean, I, I think my biggest that. gripe with Topper this year has been uh, his inability early on to keep – Marsh and Stott in the lineup against lefties. He's kind of stopped that a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. He had Marsh hit seven against the lefty yesterday, which, you know, I ultimately didn't mind. You get the more right-handed power up in, in front of him, but um, he's kind of stopped that. So I don't hate it as much. Josh Harrison's no longer on, on the team. So you don't have to worry about seeing him in the lineup every three days. Um, but I think it's been fun, man. I, th- I just, I really do. I've talked about it all the time in the morning show with Scotty. And it's the first time I've talked about it with you in probably a while. I love the Schwarber leadoff uh, argument. I, I love to get into it with people. I, I love when I love to hear their point of views because I understand. Like, I understand your point of view. I understand it's not traditional. I understand when you see Bryson Stott hitting 300 and his ability to work counts and everything like that. He's your prototypical leadoff hitter. But let but where where is Kyle Schwarber most valuable to this team? Well, second, first of all, he's got the second or third highest walk rate in the National League or in all of MLB this year. So the dude gets on base a decent amount. He he walks bet, almost better than anyone, right? So he can work a count, he can see enough pitches. The bottom line is what I said to you earlier. It's it's not rocket science to me. He's not going to that that average is never going to get higher. If you move him to four, five, six in the lineup, that average is going to stay a buck 80, buck 90. Now, would you mm-hmm. prefer a buck 80, buck 90 with him hitting 37 home runs? Or would you prefer a buck 80, buck 90 with him hitting 27 home runs? That's true, man. It, the more pitches, the more swings, the more at-bats gives him the better chance to hit one out of the ballpark. And I'd like to remind everybody, for the most part, he only leads off one time a night. <laughs> so yeah, everyone gets so fed up with the first at first at bat of the game. Most of the time, someone else is leading off an inning. Yeah, that's true. I do agree with this statement here. Now, I uh, that's what I said. Harper would be at first, and he can DH. That'd be ideal. That would yeah. be ideal. Marsh Marsh back. That definitely helps that notion for, for sure. sure. 
Well, especially sure. when you see how the Giants play defense last night and how things can Ooh. bite you pretty quickly. Yeah, that is facts, facts, man. Um, so today's games at six forty. Uh, yep. Kyle Harrison is going to be going up against uh, Taewon Walker. Yeah, what's he uh, going to so pitch two and a third or one two um two thirds of an inning? Just Gabe. don't give me that Saturday game where he like walk like nine. Oh no, in. my bad. I'm no, I'm talking about Gabe Kapler's uh love fact love affair oh, yeah, with looks- uh the starter. Get, get throwing someone out for one inning and then getting a starter into the game. You nerd. You absolute analytic nerd. Gay. Oh, my God, dude. Dude, looking back at K- Gabe here in Philly, it's 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 pretty wild. It is pretty wild. Where we, I, just, where we I don't have another word. You're just – you're a nerd. Let me throw this guy out for one inning. Hope it works, and then I'll get to – and then I'll get to my starter. What's your farm system like these days? I'm curious. The Giants? Yeah. I have no idea, to be honest with you. Um, I just think it's funny because, like, some teams have to do that. Some teams with injuries and lack of pitching depth, they have to throw out the 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 starter, right? The 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 guy to throw one or or two innings before they get their actual guy in there. He's just doing it because he wants to. They don't need to. Okay, I I I need to ask you this because this is a great question by Kata. So I'm gonna throw one more person here. So who's worse as far as the experimental coaches in Philadelphia? Yeah. You're going Gabe, Chip, and I'm going to throw Dave Haxel in there as well. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Pick your poison, Dylan. <laughs> this is tough, bro. Some bad ones, dude. As a coach himself, like just on the field, thinking like just from game to game, Gabe's worse. But as like... Chip tried to take over as GM. Chip traded Shady for Kiko. Chip was Chip was just an asshole. Like just Chip was worse overall. But if I'm talking about like Chip coaching a football game or Gabe managing my baseball team, Gabe Kapler was worse. That is true, man. That is true, dude. Like the fact that we gave Chip the keys to to the whole. Oh my god. That was absolutely it's a big. It's a big part of the greatest Super Bowl spe- uh, parade speech of all time. Howie yeah. Roseman shoved in a closet. And and that turned out really, really yeah. well. Okay. Yeah, actually, now that we talk about it, thank you, Chip. Yeah. People don't do that enough. People don't remember. But the thing is, is like, if I'm not mistaken, Chip did bring in Melk as a free agent. Chip did, did draft he? Ertz and Johnson. You could be correct. Um, I'm trying to think. Well, Nick, no, Nick Foles was more of a draft pick by the Andy era, but that was Howie. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, there were parts of that team that that was a big part of what. Do you what remember Chip how was. electric that first Monday night game was against Washington with Chip and yes. Vic? Yes. When they scored like 50. Now imagine Vic was five years younger in that yeah. offense. That would yeah. be pretty nice to see, yeah. man. The problem is once that. the league caught up to his college. His uh, college offense, it was He'd game over. No, no, we ran like the same four plays. Yeah, yeah. he I just thought if we didn't that. stop running, if we ran a play and then everybody just ran to the line of scrimmage as fast as they could, we would just tire everybody out. And our defense was getting tired in that in the, in the same in the same right, man. Idiot. Um. So tonight we're actually facing off against the Giants' top prospect, according Interesting. to Interesting. Uh, we wouldn't have Vic if he didn't do what he did, though. It's fact. 2010 was one of my favorite years as an Eagles fan. That was that's, so much fun. That's is that the DJX punt return year? 
that was Djax. That was also just Vic's first year back as a starter. Yeah. Um, and it was a great story. To it was electric. With. That's when Kevin Cobb was actually the starter, right? Kevin yeah, Cobb, man. week one against Green Bay, got concussed or whatever, and then Vic took over. Dude, he got beat up correctly. in the NFL. And yeah, we actually too. we wore the Kelly Greens that night. Yeah, man. Yeah. BG's the only one to wear Kelly Green twice in different wow. occasions as an Eagle man. It's good times, man. It's good times. Well, you want to talk, you want to finish with the birds here, man? You want to talk some birds I mean, football? I mean, why not? Talk some birds here. Um, so obviously we had practice here today against the Colts. <laughs> um, yeah, we did. Yeah, Shane came back, right? We all remember Shane Steichen, dude. But there were fireworks, man. Yeah. Um, we had some some camp battles, some I'm camp all for it. Yeah. Kelsey stepping up for Gainwell, man. And then I forget this player's name, but he told he pretty much said in the presser that Jason needs to watch out. To, which I'll, yeah. I'll look that up, man. Uh. It was ever it was whoever he went after the very next play. They said he blind so he, he went after him and blindsided him or whatever for his hit on Gainwell. Um I forget the dude's name. That's how irrelevant he is to me. So something it's like a linebacker named Franklin. Yeah. I know Crossing Broad tweeted out, so I'm just gonna pull that up real quick. But yeah, dude, this is, dude, I feel like we do get in a few amount of these I'm all for practices, it. practices, man. I'm all for it, man. It's 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 competition. That's all. They this it once once you go through a long camp the way that it's set up and you're you're going against the same guys and and your teammates day after day. You're not for the most part. You're not going to fight your teammates. I know it happens from time to time around the league. Hell, Kelsey's brother Travis ended up punching two of his teammates this camp, so it does happen. <laughs> but like for the most part, nothing crazy goes on. But why well, you know you're getting into your third week of preseason. You're you're battling you know with these with these number ones from the other team. Um, well, let's get after it. I mean, as long as no one hurts themselves, right? As long as Kelsey doesn't throw a punch and breaks his hand on a helmet, I don't give a shit. Get after it. Yeah, we definitely don't need that. So here is the uh, actual presser here. To be honest, I'll practice tempo as I'll practice tempo. You know, that kind of happens when you joint practice against other organizations. You know, sometimes your speed ain't they speed. People get offended. That's life. So we'll be okay. We got some good work in. We compete on Thursday. Never, never saw Kelsey coming, I guess, obviously. Yeah, you know, uh, I uh, it's funny. You know, obviously, growing up in Philly, him play for a long time. A lot of respect for him. Um, talked to him a little bit after we played him last year. You know, thought the OGs would at least look me in the eye before, you know, but it's all good. I'm going to get a chance to look him in the eye on Thursday, so we can be okay. Oh, what shit. What does he mean by that? that? Here's my question, right? Here's the ironic part about it. Kelsey went after him for a reason for his late hit on Gainwell after the play. So my question was, did he look Gainwell in the eye before he before he went after Gainwell on the initial thing? You know what I mean? Like he's so yeah. he, you know, he he it's he it's the whoa, it's me story right now with, you know, I thought Kelsey would have looked me in my face before he went after me. Did he look Kenny G in his face before he went after Kenny G and made Kelsey go after him? Yeah. <laughs> it's a, it sounds like one of those things that we just needed to be there in practice, but this I also why- saw I also saw Derek Barnett got into it with Anthony Richardson and yeah. not to lie to you that pissed me off I I can't stand Derek Barnett dude I just None I can't can. deal with it you know literally it's always him yeah I just it's always him he got yep. into it with Landon Dickerson which I get it I did see that it could have been Dickerson's fault but it's like the third time I st- Derek Barnett missed last year and I feel like things were pretty peaceful. No stupid penalties, no roughing, not a lot of, not a lot of mishaps. Now he's back in camp, and I've seen about three reports of fight, Derek Barnett, fight, Derek Barnett, dude, 
cool it. He's got a temper problem, man. Which is fine, but like, just don't cost your team in the regular season. Remember the Green Bay game two, three years ago when, when he had like three? Uh, <laughs> just calm down, man. Go get a sack once in a while, drink some Gatorade, and get back on the field every 10% of the downs. But it just feels like as he gets older, it gets worse. Because like, I don't remember this in his rookie year. I don't know. I don't know. Well, apparently we thought he was Reggie White coming out of Texas. So when you break the record, a lot of different things. We also thought that, um, what was that guy's name? Oh, that's going to bother me. Who is that small running back in 2017 that broke all the Marshall Fox records? Oh, stop. Um, Donnell Pumphrey. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, bro. My bad. The, uh, there. Yeah. Oh, dude, Donald. Who did we take? Don? We took Donald Pumphrey over a decent amount of other backs that are in the league right now. I was mad because I was looking for a power back, and I remember was mm-hmm. name Alex Collins get selected a couple picks after that by mm-hmm. Seattle, and he lasted a lot longer than Pumphrey. Didn't something <laughs> just happen to Alex Collins? I'm not sure. That it wouldn't. It honestly wouldn't surprise me. But we got Penny, which kind of reminds me of Collins, but better. So. We'll we'll definitely see how that turns out, man. But knock. Uh, this is why Dylan like people last two years who were always oh saying, dude, that's he died. Oh shit, that's Old what the report was. Yeah, Damn, you dude. said the name and I knew I saw a tweet last week. Wait, this Damn. happened recently? Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. Once you said the name, I was like, wait a second. He died in a car crash. I, th- I from when I see in New York Post. Damn, dude. Well, listen. May he rest in peace, man, dude. I I Way swear I have no idea. Fuck. How we bounce back from this one, man? Well, no. Seriously, man. man. Thoughts and prayers go out to Alex Collins, man. Well, that's who I wanted. That's who I wanted over Donnell Pumphrey, man. Like we thanks Cole. Well, shouts to Cole, man, for for keeping us in in the loop here in the in the yeah, chat here, man. But so um, real fact checker. Yeah, man. For but real quick here. So first off, this is why I love these joint practices because like you get that competitive edge out of these guys, and like you see how like age. You're hearing tweets about AJ and Devontae Smith tearing it up, which yep. it's finally we got good wide receiver play after all these years. By the way, um, but this is why I do I prefer these joint practices like preseason. That that's for the guys trying to make this. They're score. better than the yeah. And that's why well, I, I agree. Yeah, yeah, no. I remember me and me and the beard, me and Phil, uh, last year when he would do training in the AM uh, every morning, the and we would talk about the fact that you get more out of joint practices from a fan's perspective and a competition perspective than you do in the preseason because all our all our eyes are on is the number ones, and when you're watching preseason, you either don't get the number ones or you get them for a drive or two, and they're not going mm-hmm. that hard, and that's it. And these joint yeah. practices, it's a lot of what you saw with the videos and the highlights of AJ and Devontae today. It's your QB one, line up one on one outside, run a route, and that's that. Like, there's no like, so it's pre- it's kind of laid back, but it's a lot of one on one competition from the ones. Yeah. And that's what you kind of see how they match up. I mean, AJ toasted Kenny Moore a couple times today, and it was like, all right, well, you're talking about one of the, you know, top, top 10, top 15 corners in the league. So, yeah, open joint practice. I mean, listen, could you imagine like fans seeing what took place today? How crazy fans would have gone? No, there probably would have been a few fans on the field. 
<laughs> that is that is true, man. That is true. Um, so with this Eagle squad here, real quick, for you personally, what's your main concern, your biggest concern with this team? Man, that's tough because I don't see anything holding this team back. Right. Aside from bad luck and injuries. But the okay. reason I'll use that as my main concern is because of how scot free they almost got off of at you know injury wise last year. Like Jalen got nicked up, and from the reports that are coming out from McManus today, apparently it was almost a lot worse than we all knew with that collarbone. Um, but he only missed two games, came back for the playoffs. Goddard missed some time, was back for the playoffs. Um, CJ Gardner Johnson missed some time, but was back. They got away pretty scot-free from injury concerns. So that never normally happens for teams back-to-back years. So that's a worry Mm -hmm. I have. Um, But like, so to Kata's point, I do agree. I I would say the linebacker and safety rooms are definitely the weakest. Um, But from what I've heard, Zach Cunningham has something left in the tank. You put that next to Nakomi Dean, who we haven't heard a, a, a ton of positives about ever since the first day or two at camp, but he's got that excitement factor like where all eyes are on board to see how Nakobe Dean looks as first year as a starter. I'm not sold on Reed Blankenship, but I told Scotty yesterday I'm willing to take off my my doubters cap because evidently he's locked up a starting job since like yeah. day two of camp. So there's clearly something there that I don't know about. So I'll have to just give him the benefit of the doubt. Um I love Sidney Brown. I think he has a role on this team in the safety room. So they're definitely the weakest um, two rooms on the on in the in the roster. But I think there's some promise there. But yeah, I would definitely say injuries, right. dude. Yeah, man. I, I I think I'm going with the linebackers. Um, you know, Nicobe Dean has spent some time on the injury report as well. Mm-hmm. Um, hasn't really, like you said, stood out in general. Zach Cunningham's really been the main one that's kind of stood out. We just had Miles Jack retire. He just said, I'm good going to trade school. And that was really it. Crazy. But yeah, it's it's a freaking wild story. But I think with the linebacker position, which isn't like, you know, we don't rely a lot on linebackers. I mean, who really does in 2023? But I mean, TJ Edwards, I feel like his play last year was extremely underrated. And then just his his sure. his ascendance was pretty impressive as well. Um, being a guy who was just pretty much a run stopper as a linebacker to being an overall solid linebacker, got paid this offseason. So trying to replace that, Kaiser weight wasn't too, too hard for replacing, but like I just I'm not feeling too comfortable with what we have right now at the linebacker position. So that's for me personally what I would be concerned with. Cod is a little worried about the wide receiver depth too. Yeah, I mean, we haven't seen too much out of Alameda Zacchaeus. I, he did get banged up in the last preseason game and didn't come back for concern reasons. But um, he was viable in Atlanta. Quez obviously has his hands issues at times, but everyone loves a good comeback story, right? Let, let me ask you this. I don't know how much more time you have left for the show, but yeah, go ahead, I was man. thinking about this this morning, and I'm going to do a segment with it maybe tomorrow or Friday with Scotty. The Eagles obviously got to the mountaintop last year. Right. They weren't able to get over the hump. They've Guys have departed. They've drafted well. Guys have come back in, yada, yada. I know my answer. I'm curious to hear yours. The Eagles will win the Super Bowl if. The Eagles will win the Super Bowl if the defense does just enough. 
because this offense is going to take another step. And I think for most part, the consensus in the cities that our concern isn't really on the offense, mm -hmm. but is this defense good enough? I think the pass rush is good enough, but the back seven is really what does concern me. Right. And you know, dude, TJ Gardner Johnson, that was a lot of interceptions. I did. We, I just talked about TJ uh, Edwards as well. So you are missing some players that were pretty big last year. Um, health, yeah, health is definitely a big part. But yeah. I think personally, me, it's having that defense keep up um, in some of those big games. And there were some big plays that defense made down the yeah. stretch as well, man. No, it, it's funny because, I mean, obviously I agree with Kyle. I just told you my biggest concern was health. So that plays right. a major factor in winning the Super Bowl. But I, I'm our answers are very eerily similar um because mine has to do with Sean Desai um I think I like and, him right so and, far and and what Sean Desai can get out of this defense that Gannon couldn't that's the difference maker to me because I agree with your answer 100% I think we all and maybe we're wrong for assuming this because things right. change year to year and players you know go up and down but I think we're all in agreement that we're this offense is going to be a top five unit if not a lot higher than that this year when you yeah. uh, you you bring back basically everybody Jalen gets another year Smitty gets another year and then you bring in this running back room with Swift and Penny and all these guys you're you're just assuming the the offense is there the defense we know with the sack totals and the turnover rates and everything like that was great last year but they didn't they just didn't have that it factor against the potent offenses against the Kansas against the Patrick Mahomes of the world my my question is can can Sean Desai get something different out of this unit that Jonathan Gannon never could? Can they be a little bit tougher? Can they be yeah. a little bit more fierce? Sidney Brown has made comments. Sean Desai himself has made comments. We want people to feel us on the football field. That's the defense I'm looking for because that combined with yeah, I agree with you. You know the sack the, the sack totals might not be in the 70s again. They're going to be close to tops in the league, right? Yeah. The turnovers will come. The question is, can we make offenses feel us as a defense? And if Sean Desai can get that out of them, I think the Eagles can get back to another Super Bowl. How many people were scared of the Eagles defense last year in reality? That's though? the question, right? Like they were, they were, they were very, very good. And, yeah. and against mediocre opponents, they were great. And I gave Gannon a lot of props in the regular season. But when you look back in hindsight and strip everything down, he wasn't nearly good enough against top-level quarterback play. Dude, he played Patrick, and I know it's Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid, but they played Patrick Mahomes two times in two seasons, and the defense didn't force a punt. They didn't get a stop, dude. And, that's, and those are all things... I definitely need to uh, be corrected if you're going to try to beat the likes of a Pat Mahomes, man. Yeah. And gotta listen, it's not about one guy. It's about the team overall. So although yeah. a lot of guys did have a career year, other guys need to step up. And that's that's the beauty of this as well, man. Dylan, right. man. Like when uh, Jalen Carter wins defensive player of the year. Dude, he's a menace. He's a freaking menace. Man. I absolutely love it, man. Dylan, we'll, we're gonna we're gonna keep doing this for uh, next week for sure, man. But I really do appreciate you coming in here, man. Of course, brother. Plug away, man. Where can people find you? Uh obviously at DSM underscore media on it's Twitter. Up, but uh, we, we're redoing some things with with the uh, with the YouTube channel. So if you guys don't know, um, check us out on on YouTube um, at DSM 
uh, media dash Philadelphia. That's where you can find this show, uh, Citywide Special. It's where you can find the Faithful Fanatics show every Monday and Wednesday and Friday. It's also where you can find DSM pregame lives come Eagles and Sixers season and seasons an hour before game time. Um, And then check us out, of course, on YouTube at, at DSM NFL Turf Talk. We'll be live every Thursday and Sunday during the football season. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. I'm excited for more. Guys, thank you so much for watching. I pre- Kata, I appreciate you for tuning on in, man. I really do. Thanks so much for watching, guys. Make sure you guys hit that like button. Subscribe for more. We'll be back at it again. Uh, we'll be back on Thursday. Reminder, tomorrow is a Wednesday night watch long. It's a special edition because, well, the Phillies are playing a little bit earlier, so we're also going to be going live a little bit earlier as well. Ladies and gentlemen, that is Dylan Davis. Of course, I am JP, better known as El Parcero Philly. And you guys, enjoy the rest of your day. Let's go play sports.